Welcome to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from the legendary hills of Brown, where the plum purple haze, the one nature herself drapes over the hills and hollers, inspires local characters, artists, and nature lovers. It's as though the hills themselves conspire to create a beauty and culture in the heart of Indiana. Sit for a spell and hear the music. Tall tales. True stories. And current goings on. Brought to you by folks who still know how to sit by a fire in winter. And swim buck naked in summer. Welcome to episode 105 of the Brown County Hour. This is Vera Grubbs. And Dave Seastrom, along with the rest of the crew. This month, we're offering a holiday show sprinkled with a few of our favorite Slats Klube tunes from his two Brown County Christmas albums. We're also honoring the passing of county stalwart Mel Chance by rebroadcasting our 2013 interview with him, and we'll listen to a selection of his music. We'll share some new contributions from Jim Eagleman, Jeff Tryon, Pam Rader, and Dave Seastrom. We also have two vintage poems from Gunter Flum and the late Chris Curtin. Segment one begins with our Mel Chance interview that bookends into a tune written by his nephew, God's Eye View. Jim Eagleman shares his observations about leaf behavior, and we'll close with the Mel and the Notables version of Blue Moon. This is Dave Seastrom with the Brown County Hour, and it's my pleasure to introduce Brown County's own Mel Chance, big band leader, clarinet player, saxophone player. Welcome. Glad to have you here this evening. Hey, thanks for having me. So you grew up in Indianapolis, and you got your start in music playing the piano, is that correct? Correct. My mother played piano, so she thought it would be nice at five years old for me to start learning to play piano. Well, after five years of that, her sitting on one end of the stool, practice, come on, do it right, do it right, I got sick of it. So they made the mistake of taking me to the Lyric Theater and introduced me to Benny Goodman that night at the Lyric, and boy, I got hooked on clarinet. And from that point on, please, Mom, can I? And she said, well, okay. And that's how it got started. And I've been playing clarinet ever since. Betty Goodman is one of your major influences? I would say so, yes. He, he actually, uh, uh, he's he a very, very well-trained uh, artist. He had to learn classical music, and then he was influenced by some of his friends to get into the big band era, and wow, he can play. <laughs> so primarily your band is a dance band? 
Yes. My uh, Notables, the seven-piece band I played with, I'm the leader of that here. Uh, in fact, it was organized here from the community band. I just picked people that never had any experience with dance band before, and I put them together because I'm kind of one of these kind of lies that likes to uh, see what I can do with nothing. And I was also probably the, the first director of the community band, so I had a little influence to ask them to come in, and they, they did that. I was in, on the East Coast uh, playing, and also the reason I was there playing on the East Coast is I was in the Korean affair in the Navy, and I was stationed in Norfolk, and when I got out, I got to traveling with a, a trio called the Nephews. Well, after we traveled up and down for a while, I decided I wanted to come home. And a friend of mine that we kind of was in scouting together, but he played tenor, and he called me. He said, I got a band I want you to hear. I said, okay. He knew I was back in town, so I went, and of course it was down in the basement of a telephone company where there's cement walls, cement floors, cement ceilings, and everything. <laughs> Whoa. And so, well, uh, why am I here? Well, the guys wanted to know if you would help them organize this band and get it to go. And to make a long story short, it became Mel Chance and the Bell Tones. And the Bell Tones, of course, is because I was an employee of the Indiana Bell. There you go. So uh, that was kind of an interesting thing. And, you know, we stayed together for, oh, guys, 14 years without ever having a substitute. And that was pretty unreal. But anyway, we played at the Roof. We played at all the country clubs. Back then, the, the country clubs hired big bands, and then as... Uh, the Elvises and people come on, you know, and the Beatles. Uh, the big band started dwindling. But uh, uh, we really had a fine time playing all kinds of ballroom dancing. And uh, remember, the one group that really hired us regularly was the Singletons in Indianapolis because they took lessons for ballroom dancing. And they liked cha-chas and all the Latin music and the waltzes. And I said, ooh, okay, let's do it. And so we, we played a lot of ballroom for them. Earlier, when we were discussing Indianapolis, you mentioned that you did spend a little time with Wes Montgomery. Yes, I did. I was thrilled to death um, to be his friend. Uh, we didn't get to be real close because uh, about the time I met him, uh, he was in a little, um, I guess you'd call it a little nightclub on the west side of Indianapolis on West 30th Street. And a good uh, bass friend of mine invited me to go to hear him. And that night there was kind of a, like a talent show. And for some reason, my name got put in the hat to, to try sing that night. And Wes invited me to come up. We did a number that was called uh, Poinciana. And uh, wow, uh, it just like we'd always played it. You know, it, it was sounded like it was well rehearsed. Well, it wasn't. <laughs> it was right off the seat of your pants. Well, anyway, he came to me later on the break and says, if we get a chance, I want to record that. Well, lo and behold, somehow he went on the road. Then he got to be the number one guitarist in the country. I never got to talk to him or see him again. So, Mel, what brought you to Brown County? Well, I've always wanted a log cabin. So my wife says, I have a girlfriend that I used to go to grade school with that's down here in the real estate business. And I said, well, that's kind of interesting. Why don't we call her? And it's our anniversary weekend. Yeah, come on down and I'll buy you anniversary dinner. So we went over to uh, the Brown County Inn and we had lunch and they're talking away, catching up on old times and being old school girlfriends, you know. And I says, time out, time out. 
What? 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 I says, I understand you're in the real estate business. Do you have any uh, log homes to sell? Oh, would you like to see one? <laughs> oh, my goodness. Well, right after lunch, we saw several. But the very first one I saw was the one I fell in love with. It was natural hewn logs. It had the real glass, not the glass we have now, but it, you know, it had that imperfection in it, real glass. And I thought, man, this is it. So that's how it all came out down here. We're going to hear a song called God's Eye View that's with the Mile High Band. And Mel, you toured the Summer Olympics in Athens with your nephew with this band. Is that yes, correct? my great nephew, um, lo and behold, I didn't even know he had any kind of talent at all when I saw him. He kept coming to all our family reunions with his little trumpet and did get to go to uh, uh, down to Nashville, Tennessee at uh, the Belmont uh, University. And uh, he graduated, and he called me. Uncle Mel, please come down and play in my band. I said, well, Denver didn't even know you had a band. Well, yeah, I do. And come on down. And, boy, I went down there, and all these college kids, man, I'll tell you what, their temples were unreal, faster than I ever played before. <laughs> but anyway, I did. I sat in, and right off the bat, hey, take a solo. Oh, no. <laughs> so, all right, I did. And uh, that was a fun, fun night. And then as time went on, he kept calling me to, to record with him. And this how this God I, God's Eye View came into being. He wrote this, especially for me. And I said, you're kidding. No, he said, this is especially for you. Well, he sent me a CD with the rhythm section. Okay, that's interesting. What's the melody line? And he just said, just fill in right here. <laughs> okay. So when I got down to the, we actually recorded this on the, uh, on the uh, campus there, Belmont University. <laughs> and so when it come my turn, I had my earphones on and I played my little number. Well, we had, we had to take about eight or nine shots at it. But when I heard it, I could not believe it because they can take things electronically and Oh, we'll take this good part and this good part. and put. I said, that don't sound like what I played. Well, it was, but they, they took the best parts of it. So, it's Sort of a dog's breakfast then. Yeah, smorgasbord. Yeah, smorgasbord. <laughs> the grass a little greener. Well, I've never seen the sky so blue. People don't know why my eyes are so much brighter. Oh, I'll tell you, man, they Understanding a servant's heart without having to be so demanding, he puts a smile on your face, convinces your soul to feel brand new with the God's eye view.
love and joy Peace that passes understanding A servant's heart Without having to be so demanding He puts a smile on your face Convinces your soul to feel brand new With the God's eye view I'm going to share with you a little secret Pass it around because I found it's true That life is more, much more than how you see it God's in every little thing you do So find your dream, for Christ can help you meet it If that fell the deepest part of you I know I've seen the light of God's grace Shining on Christ's face Cause I'm looking with the God's eye Looking with the God's eye Looking with the God's eye view Take it home now, boys Most of the leaves on our oaks have started their downward flutter. I watch them during breaks from outside work. It's mid-November, and from a picture on my cell phone, the same scene in front of me, we had far more leaves a year ago than what I see now. The maple, ash, cherry, and beech leaves from the taller trees have already fallen. The smaller beech will retain their leaves through winter until next spring. Funny to recall the same reaction I had when a kid I watched leaves fall then, probably distracted when I should have been paying attention, and yet I'm still fascinated. Falling leaves seem to have a pre-planned route they follow, only to be changed at the last minute as they join the pile. I watched leaves then, and I do now. Some twist like little helicopters. They like the same maneuver of the maple, samara, in spring. The samara is that botanical term for the twin seeds of the maple tree, and they're attached to the base with that thin skin. We call those helicopters as kids, and we still do. Now the leaves seem to copy the same route as the samaras, sometimes being carried by gentle winds, way off course. Oak leaves, the color scheme with a variety of tans and browns, are stiff like watercolor paper, and they catch a current to sail off with no particular route, sometimes for more than 20 feet from the limb where they were attached. They land amid the others, stems or the leaf tip pointing up, then settle down like a puzzle piece, finding the perfect fit. If it sounds like I get distracted with the simple act of leaves falling, you are right. It's really a restful thing I enjoy. A hundred thoughts come back from childhood, and why the fall of the year seems to dominate, I don't know. Later in my botany classes, and now motivated more by my own interests than a passing grade, we studied in depth the life of a leaf, how it was made, its purpose and structure, all of the leaves now tumble down over the next few weeks to add to the leaf litter, a term used a lot when my hikers and I knelt on the forest floor to look closely at the ground in front of us. 
we purposely took time to regard the job and the result of leaves falling to the ground. I was intrigued, and I hope my hikers were too. Yeah, maybe not so much at first, but I did notice the longer we knelt there, or stood, or sat, the more they stared at the ground looking closer, staring almost transfixed, brushing away the dry, crispy leaves to reveal the bare ground. The first sensation, as we laid a flat hand on the ground, was its coolness. Dead leaves help conserve any moisture, keeping the soil primed for seeds from plants or spores from moss or ferns. Watching for any spiders or pill bugs now exposed, they moved slowly and crept under any cover they could. This in-depth inspection, a pause for maybe 10 to 15 minutes along the trail, brought up discussions that followed on recycling, new growth, habitats for small insects and spiders, their jobs important to reducing forest debris and how they preyed on smaller insects. I often wondered if my hikers took this exercise in close observation as helpful in learning just a portion of the workings of a forest? Or was it that we just slowed down and took a look and saw what goes on every day, all day, through the warmer months? Well, either is acceptable, and it never failed to generate more talk than awareness, than appreciation, than understanding why it's important to keep things intact and protected. The dead leaf in my hand, twirled in my fingers by the stem, now no sign of green, rather a soft orange. Let me say it was here that good old solar energy was absorbed back in the summer. It's where food was made and a very precious gas was produced. Another hand held a cluster of needles from a pine we passed earlier, and I asked if the needles are leaves. Some hesitation, but almost always my hikers agreed the skinny needles were leaves. They absorbed the same sunlight, but maybe in lesser quantities, and also produced oxygen. Okay, enough of the academic explanation. I don't want to say so much that our collective level of appreciation here starts to fade. I think it was Will Rogers who said, and I'm paraphrasing, the more you explain it, the less I understand it. Is it necessary we all understand totally what happens to leaves as they accumulate on the forest floor? No, you can just sit and continue to enjoy the sound or walk along a trail under our feet. We'll hear the sound of leaves during another beautiful day here in Brown County. Jim Eagleman for Nature Ramblings, WFHB Brown County Hour. Thanks for listening. Somebody whispered, mm, please adore me. 
And when I look, the moon had turned to gold Blue moon Now I'm no longer alone Without a dream in my heart Without a love of my own station identification. You are listening to the Brown County Hour on volunteer-powered community radio, WFHB, at 100.7 in Brown County, 91.3 and 98.1 in Bloomington, 106.3 at Ellettsville, and online at wfhb.org. Our middle segment begins with Jeff Tryon's Christmas story, Magic Box. We'll follow that with Slats Klug version of Cradle in Bethlehem and Gunther Flum's poem, Christmas Dinner. We'll end this segment with Mel and the Notables performing Tangerine. But up first is Kara Barnard with Carrie Ray singing Rockin' Round the Christmas Tree. 
here rocking around Christmas tree, have a happy holiday Everyone dancing merrily in the new old-fashioned way You will get a sentimental feeling When you hear voices saying Let's be jolly and take the halls with boughs of holly here rocking around Christmas tree, have a happy holiday Everyone dancing merrily in the new old-fashioned way Everyone dancing merrily in the new old-fashioned way I have a box up in my attic full of magic and wonder of course, you know how magic is. It is only powerful at certain times and under particular circumstances. In this case, the magic only begins to work around the 1st of December, and it works best on small children, the elderly, and dreamers of a certain variety, those who keep Christmas in their hearts, no matter what the time or the circumstances. The box contains a few simple things. Nothing spectacular, and yet... It is capable of producing and enhancing the most effective magical spell there is. Faith. Hope. Love. There are lights in the box. Strings of tiny electric Christmas lights in different colors, but mostly pure white. Strung around the festal branches, they twinkle like stars and seem somehow cheerful, optimistic. In the darkest time of year, we are reminded that once upon a time, Light came into the world, and that light gives illumination to every person. That the light shines in the darkness still, but the darkness has not understood it. There's a box of little mirrored balls in many bright colors and other bright ornaments in the shape of bells or stars or snowflakes. Another box contains ornaments of things, a sleigh, a log cabin, a hiking moose, a red and green biplane, a crazy variety of various figures and objects that have collected up over the years. This box includes about two dozen figures of angels of all different varieties, all different types and genres. And there's one large fancy angel, a tree topper, who perches above all those flights and ranks of Christmas tree angels and reminds us once again to fear not, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy which shall be for all people. Now, a lot of folks also have their sacred tree in a box up there in the attic or wherever they keep Christmas, but I always want a fresh tree, more in keeping with the Druidic and High Celtic traditions it recalls. Now, even the most perfect live tree often has an awkward opening in the side, a hole where you see past the branches inside to the very trunk of the thing. I sometimes put a real bird's nest in the crotch of the branches there, one that I've recovered during my various perambulations around Hobbs Holler, and in the nest I put a tiny little Christmas surprise. In the Christmas box is a wreath I've had for years. It's made out of metal with dozens of little bells on it. You hang it on your front door and the bells shake whenever someone comes and goes. Also, there's a string of sleigh bells I like to hang over the front doorknob because this time of year, every time a bell rings, well, you know, 
there is another whole level of very powerful enchantment in the box, and it is the beautiful, mystical realm of Christmas music. I've whittled it down to about 14 or 20 CDs, we won't even talk about the vinyl, full of all or quite a bit of the music I am going to want to hear at Christmas time, from brass quintet arrangements to mass choirs to favorite artists like Nat King Cole or the Roach Sisters. But there's one recording in there, it's two CDs actually, that truly contain the ultimate magic of Christmas for my wife and me that never fail to cast the spell of the season in our home, no matter the weather or the circumstances. These are the Brown County Christmas records by Slats Klug and all his cohorts, that fabulous collection of voices and musical talents. When I hear Robbie Bowden sing A Cradle in Bethlehem, then it is Christmas in my heart. Back when Sue and I were first courting, we spent a Christmas Eve cuddled up in front of the wood stove in our little cabin in the hills, basking in the sounds of those beautiful records. I tell you, there's magic in that box. A large picture book of the night before Christmas, suitable for reading to small children. Candle holders that look like Christmas trees and reindeer. An old St. Nicholas-type carved wooden figure from Scandinavia or somewhere. And, oh yes, big colorful stockings to be hung by the chimney with care. There's even a little red and green Santa's elf hat with jingle bells on it. A whole box full of magical Christmas spirit. Just add people. Just add people. Of course, this year, we're calling off Christmas at Hobbs Hollow. We aren't having our annual trim the tree party. I like to get it up early in the season. We won't be going to our son's house for dinner on Christmas Eve or to the church for the traditional candlelight service. All canceled. It will be just me and Sue at Christmas dinner this year. But we will know that we are still loved by all those folks who would normally pass through our home during this holiday season to wish us well. And for that, we feel truly grateful. And if they stay, all stay healthy and we all stay healthy, that will be Christmas present enough for 2020. Oh, I'll still be putting up the tree. We'll still be jingling those bells and singing along with all the ancient Yuletide carols. The mystery and sacred joy of Christmas will once again be conjured out of the magic box that comes down from the attic. We will keep Christmas just as we always do, only hoping that next year we will be able to do it once again with all of our loved ones and friends here with us. I hope you have a Merry Christmas. Sing sweetly low your lullaby Till angels say Amen A mother tonight is rocking Sing sweet.
Till angels say Amen And mother tonight is rocking A cradle in Now, every year at Christmas time, I like to take a chance to dine with my friend who makes a feast from different parts of different beasts. Now, oftentimes, it's kind of scary eating something strange and hairy. Even though I must confide, I'll take that chance at Yuletide. Because my friend's the kind of cook, there ain't no menu in a book that has that special type of twist to make up meals that don't exist. And so my friend is always itching to get himself inside that kitchen and bring his friends and family cheer from critters they both hate and fear. Of course, you have to be quite brave to eat a thing you'd never crave. But every year, there's some surprise that he's prepared before your eyes, for my good buddy stands alone and cooking things with parts unknown. Now, my good friend has got the nerve to trap and catch the things he'll serve, which most of you, you must admit, at Christmas dinner where you sit, might seem to think it's kind of nuts to cook a critter with its guts. But all you need is just one bite, after you get past the fright of finding something on your plate that you ain't never seen or ate, then you'll become like me a fan of how my friend lives off the land. Why, he might cube or mince or dice a frog and turtle stuffed with mice. Why, there ain't nothing he ain't seen that he can't catch and he can't cream. There's parts of critters he might toss in every stuffing super sauce, but he's the only one with spunk to baste a groundhog with a skunk or put together in a bowl a marinade of worms and mole. Well, there ain't nothing he won't try to find a creature he can fry or any way that he can stop from hunting critters he can chop. You can't believe the things he'll bake, like muskrat wrapped in rattlesnake, or not consider it too crass to stuff a beaver up with bass, or make a cake that has a swirl of raccoon tails and some a squirrel, nor any way you can compare a critter cooked with its own hair. I know you're probably asking why I have my Christmas with this guy, but there's no snow I won't go through to guess what parts are in his stew, for sometimes he can be quite smug when you can't guess what kind of bug that you can find in every scoop in each mysterious bowl of soup. So in that dinner set before us from hills and valleys in our forest, you'll find there's things we'd never eat that he can make a Christmas treat, like chocolate-covered candied fox ringed with roaches in a box, and though I know it sounds insane, but try his crawdad candy cane. Of course, there's always possum pie with flowers crusted with butterfly, and in his ice cream, you won't know if he's got sparrows, owl, or crow. And there's no way that you'll get fat with caramel-coated wings of bat. So you can see I've got my reason every Christmas at this season to have my dinner at his table. If by chance I think I'm able to try each Christmas as cuisine to dine on things I've never seen, I bring my own Pepto-Bismol. Happy Holy Days from Gunther Flum. As bright as flame Tangerine When she dances by Senorita stare And cut by yellow sun And I've seen Toast to 
bar across the Argentine. Yes, she has them all on the run, but her heart belongs to just one. Her heart belongs to Tangerine Eyes of night and lips as bright as flame Senorita's staring station identification. You are listening to the Brown County Hour on Volunteer Powered Community Radio, WFHB, at 100.7 in Brown County, 91.3 and 98.1 in Bloomington, 106.3 at Ellettsville, and online at wfhb.org. Support for the Brown County Hour comes from listeners like you and the support of the Brown County Inn, a family-friendly getaway destination located in Nashville, Indiana, offering locally sourced food, drinks, and live entertainment with banquet space, indoor-outdoor pool, miniature golf, and more. Information and booking available at browncountyinn.com. Our final segment begins with the Slats Kluge version of Good King Wenceslas. Pam Rader shares a poem called Grinch. And our late friend, Chris Curtin, recites his poem, Chicken Parts. We have a Slats Klug original, Me and 30 Dirty Chickens Licking Corn. Dave Seastrom shares his thoughts about Christmas 2020. And we'll close the show with Slats' version of Silent Night. (laughs) 
Good King Wenceslas looked down on the feast of Stephen When the snow lay round about, deep and crisp and even Brightly shone the moon that night, though the frost was cruel When a poor man came in sight, gathering winter fuel Gather page and stand by me If thou knowest it telling Yonder peasant who's he Where and what is dwelling Sire he lives a goodly hands Underneath the mountain Right against the forest fence By St. Agnes Fountain Bring me flesh and bring me wine Bring me pine logs hither Thou and I will see him dine When we bear them thither Page and monarch forth they went Forth they went together Through the rude winds wild lament And the bitter weather darker now and the wind blows stronger fails my heart i know not how i can go no longer mark my footsteps my good page tread thou in them boldly thou shalt find the winter's rage freeze thy blood less coldly In his master's steps he trod, where the snow lay dented. Heat was in the very sod, which the saint had printed. Therefore all good men be sure, wealth or rank possessing. Ye who now will bless the poor, shall yourselves find blessing. This is Pam Rader with a poem entitled Grinch 2020. Christmas is coming in 2020, a time there should be plenty and merriment with friends near. None of that will happen this year. Two Grinches loose upon the land with anxiety and fear at hand, a virus on a spiking run spurred on by the red-faced one. He said not to wear a mask, never accepting leadership as his task. Now we're stuck here at home and cannot travel, shop, or roam. So much was stolen by this creature with the orange hair feature. Now that's the status we labor under as the world is torn asunder. Stolen the ability to be hugged and kissed, which at holidays is sorely missed. The grift that kept on giving has stopped us from our usual living. Never mind, we will not bend or lose the love we can send. To stay in touch, we'll find a way and still enjoy the holiday. We'll keep our home fires burning. Those aromatic cookies turning, we will not let them steal from us our zest and zeal. Let's remember that this year still was filled with lots of cheer. Pam Rader wishing you happy holidays. This is Chris Curtin with a poem called Chicken Parts. 
The vegetarian hunter-gatherer slouches toward the kitchen, his prey a dinner in a box, rice and vegetables resting in cold comfort in the frozen wasteland of the freezer. He makes the catch with an effortless ease, born of many years of practice. But wait, what's this in the ingredients? Chicken parts? Could they be a little more specific? There's no bragging of great breasts or boasting of fine thighs. No unsettling hints of the cross-species relations of buffalo wings. Just parts. What was their origin? Did the chickens give them up like eggs? Were they from a chicken parts dealer? New and used chicken parts. A part for every chicken, a chicken for every part. Or were they found in rural junkyards where you could stroll up and down row upon row in an unmown field, covered with the hulks of old or wrecked chicken carcasses where you took the parts off yourself with the socket wrench you brought along for that purpose. Were classic vintage parts of an old chicken more highly prized? Or should you comb the yard for newer parts from a low-mileage bird that had been involved in an unfortunate accident? Were they parts one could speak about openly in mixed company without fear of offending or embarrassing others? Or were these private parts spoken of only in whispers by men and women of questionable character. Dear friends, I'm writing you my annual Christmas letter. And though I've taken up new quarters in the barn, the little woman kicked me out, now life is better. Me and 30 dirty chickens licking corn. See, the revenues got tipped off and come this morning. I had to ditch a load of corn for and mash. Perhaps it was my sweet who did inform them. Meanwhile, the chickens pecked the corn and all got trashed. So Merry Christmas from the hen house with the dirt floor. I decked the halls and pecked the stalls with a happy club. Don't give me anything, it only hurts more. When I don't give a muck, I strut and flap my wings for all the peepees. When in the coop do as the chickens do We scratched ourselves a batch of corn martinis Then hatched up every Christmas song we knew So Merry Christmas from the hen house with the dirt floor I deck the halls and peck the stalls with a happy cluck Don't give me anything, it only hurts more When I don't give a and cooped with 30 dirty chickens Just waiting till the rooster gives last call I'm a pecker wood adjusting two slim pickings And I'm staying if this ain't against the law So Merry Christmas from the hen house with the dirt floor I deck the halls and peck the stalls with a happy cluck Don't give me anything, it only hurts more When I don't give a Chicken get here first, or was she eggborn? Was she served with rye wheat or on a spoon? Hey, my hen just started licking on a leghorn. 
She and that rooster really ought to get a room Yours truly dining on some eggnog and bologna P.S. my sweetie's wearing feathers instead of pearls But I'll never pay a chicken alimony And my hen don't mind if I date other girls So Merry Christmas from a hen house with a dirt floor I deck the halls and peck the stalls with a happy club Don't give me anything, it only hurts more When I don't give a Don't give me anything, it only hurts more When I don't give a Twenty twenty is just about over, and most of us welcome its passage. This is a year that reshaped the world and made us think differently about our lives and how we relate to others. Suddenly, out of nowhere, a deadly virus makes its appearance, and the world as we know it is forever changed. As luck would have it, the pandemic happened to correspond with an election year, and something that shouldn't have anything to do with politics becomes completely political. Curiously, a society that's accustomed to wearing seatbelts and obeying stop signs neatly divided between those who will wear a mask and those who won't. When the history books are written about this year, I think this is the one issue that will describe our cultural differences better than anything else. As the states close down and open and close again, in response to the ever-increasing case numbers, we're left to make our own decisions. No matter what, the holidays will be different this year, and yet, they are still the holidays, and most of us will find a way to celebrate, even if we have to create some new traditions. Zoom is okay, and it's better than a phone conference, but Zooming is not the same as an in-person visit with family and friends. The word adaptation comes to mind, and as a species, this is our primal objective. In many ways, this is our Darwin moment, and I'd like to think we're up to the challenge. Here at the ranch, Becky and I celebrated Thanksgiving by staying home and calling the kids on the phone. We also didn't have a traditional meal. This time we had fried soft-shell crabs. It's doubtful that the pilgrims included this delicacy in their first celebration, but I'm sure they would have liked it. Even so, there's a lot to celebrate during the holidays. No matter what you think of the outcome, the election is over, and the countless emails and phone calls asking for money have stopped. Becky and I don't watch commercial TV, but for those of you who do, your viewing time is suddenly free of mean-spirited political ads, and that's a blessing. When I was little, Uncle Bob and Aunt Jane would host a big Christmas smorgasbord. Grandma and my aunts would spend days preparing the meal, and it had all of our seasonal favorites, but there was a hitch. All of my cousins and I would gather at the table, and one of the relatives would dish out a measured portion of certain ancestral foods that we had to eat before we were allowed free range on the rest of the meal. We didn't mind the blood sausage or the pickled herring, but one food we were made to eat that all of us dreaded was lutefisk. This food comes from a time in Scandinavian history before electricity, when times were tough and many people were hungry. The English translation for lutefisk is lye fish, which describes how it's made. Typically, a white fish, like cod, is soaked in lye to cure, and then it's dried to the consistency of cardboard. Once the fish is dried, it can be safely stored in a cupboard because even the mice won't eat it. When the time comes to prepare this dish, it's either soaked in fresh water that's changed every day for five days, or, the way my grandma made it, by boiling the fish in fresh water that's changed several times until the lye has been rinsed out. What's left is a mostly flavorless fish glop that has a gelatinous consistency and smells to be damned. 
Depending on what they had in the household, the lutefisk might be covered in a cream sauce or butter, but it was always served with lots of salt. Believe it or not, my dad, grandparents, uncles, and aunts loved this dish. But it was a real challenge for my cousins and me. We would dutifully line up at the table, and after prayers were said, one of our aunts dispensed the required ancestral foods on each of our plates. We were watched as each of us gagged and choked our way through our reasonably small portions. One by one, we finished our obligatory offerings, and we were treated to anything we wanted on the table. The rewards were many, and all of us loved the Swedish meatballs and the spicy meat pastries and potato flour, called crocs. But the best of the best were Grandma's cakes, cookies, and pastries, and I would often indulge until my belly was bursting at the seams. This may be a stretch, but our current situation with COVID-19 reminds me of eating lutefisk during Christmas all those years ago. Yes, in many ways it sucks. But there is a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow, and the rewards of behaving will be a return to the life that we're all longing for. We've all grown so familiar with COVID restrictions, it's hard not to become complacent. But that's exactly what we must not do. If this year has taught us anything, it's that we share this world together, and together we will overcome. Peace on earth and goodwill to all. This is Dave Seastrom, wishing each and everyone a very happy holidays. See you next time. Silent night, holy night, all is calm, all is bright, round yon virgin mother and child, holy infant so tender
The entire radio show crew wishes each and every one a joyful holiday season and a very happy new year. Thanks for tuning in to episode 105 of the Brown County Hour, recorded remotely and in our studio at the History Center here in downtown Nashville, and brought to you the first Sunday of every month at 9 a.m. and the following Wednesday at 6 p.m. and anytime online. Be sure to look for us on iTunes, Stitcher, and Spotify. The Brown County Hour is brought to you by a diverse group of folks who believe now more than ever, the world is for everyone. This show was produced by Chuck Wills, Pam Rader, Rick Fettig, Vera Grubbs, Jim Lemon, and Dave Seastrom. We would also like to thank Slats Klug for our theme music. You have been listening to the Brown County Hour. Coming to you from deep in the woods of Brown County, Indiana. Celebrating the arts, culture, and nature that make this such a unique community. Visit us online at browncountyhour.com. The Brown County Hour is a production of WFHB. Volunteer-powered, listener-supported community radio for South Central Indiana. Take me back, back to my home, Brown County. Oh